And now it's time for us to discuss more of these headlines and simple keywords with Adam joining us via Zoom. Good morning, Adam. Good morning, Lena, and happy Friday. Happy Friday to you, too. <laughs> <laughs> Looking forward to the weekend. A longer one at that, actually. Again. Uh, yes, you're right. That's two weeks in a row for most office workers. L lucky you. <laughs> well, you know, you and I, we were both <laughs> still on the air on Monday morning, but uh, all the other schedules that I have are resting for that day. So I take some solace in that. Sharing the enthusiasm with all of our local listeners. All right. Let's jump into our keyword news portion of the day. We're going to try to clarify some of these major headlines for our listeners, starting with escalated tensions on the Korean peninsula. This is our first pick of the day. Tensions in the air. So 12 North Korean warplanes flew near the border in a Piranda bombing drill yesterday, prompting Seoul to scramble 30 fighter jets of its own. What's the latest, Adam? Yeah, so they seem like big numbers, but uh, I think it's pretty much procedure when it, uh, such uh, actions happen. It's quite rare, actually, for North Korea to fly that many planes uh, across the border mm. uh, and quite rare for South Korea to deploy that many planes in response as well. Mm. Uh, the country's military said eight North Korean jets and four bombers flew in formation and are believed to have conducted air-to-surface firing exercises. Uh, the South's Air Force scrambled the jets as the North's warplanes moved south of what's known as the Special Reconnaissance Line, which Seoul has drawn just north of the inter-Korean boundary for security purposes. Uh, the 30 warplanes did not engage the sortie, however, and only guarded the country's airspace. So mm. that's pretty much where the tensions ended, according to the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Now, the North move came after Seoul and Washington have recently conducted uh, air, ground and naval drills mm. in response to a series of North Korean missile launches, of which there have been many mm. uh, in recent weeks and days. Um, in addition, the USS Ronald Reagan aircraft carrier returned to the waters east of the peninsula on Wednesday to stage a trilateral naval exercise with the South and Japan, mm. uh, something that the North Koreans aren't happy about. Um, and in response to all this, President Yoon Sung-yeol and Japanese Prime Minister Fumio Kishida spoke mm. on the phone and condemned North Korea's recent missile tests. That's because uh, the intermediate-range ballistic missile flew over uh, Japan. Uh, the two also decided to cooperate to sternly deal with North Korean provocations, and they also said a, uh, a clear message must be sent to North Korea that its provocation would bring consequences. So mm. another hardline stance and rhetoric coming out from Seoul and Tokyo. Uh, and further analysis will be, of course, taken apart by all experts. And we'll have more of that coming next week, too. Uh, let's move on to our second keyword of the day. Some changes in how this government is structured. Our second keyword of the day. Reorganization plan. So the Interior Ministry has announced a government reorganization plan under which the Gender Ministry will be abolished. A sticky subject largely fought by the opposition. Tell us the details. A sticky subject indeed. Uh, the government says it will ask Parliament to scrap the Gender Ministry for filling a controversial campaign pledge. There's been a lot of support by male voters, but a lot of opposition from uh, feminist groups uh, mm -hmm. regarding the uh, apparent uh, or planned abolishment of the gender ministry. Mm. Uh, but some of its functions will be given to a new organization within the health ministry. That's if it does pass parliament. Now, the head of that new organization, um, according to the interior minister, will be an official uh, whose rank will be in between those of a minister and vice minister. Kind of a similar si uh, system is in place for the trade ministry. There is a separate mm. trade minister and a separate in, um, industry minister. Mm. 
Um, and the Gender Ministry's work on female employment will be transferred to the Labour Ministry. Mm. Other changes are the upgrading of the Minister of Patriots and Veterans Affairs to a cabinet position. That would give the minister more negotiation power during the weekly cabinet meetings and mm. allow him or her to issue ministerial ordinances. Uh, the UN administration also hopes to launch a new government agency handling Korean expats, essentially by transferring relevant work from the Foreign Ministry and the Overseas Koreans Foundation. Uh, the government added that talks were also underway to establish an agency on aerospace and another on immigration. Mm. Uh, specifics for each are expected to be announced later this year. Now, whether the administration's reorganization plan will sail through remains murky. The changes require a vision uh, to the Government Organization Act, which would require the consent of the National Assembly, which is controlled by the opposition Democratic Party. Lawmakers from the DP have welcomed most changes, but they vehemently oppose the abolishment of the gender ministry mm. and accuse the government of using the issue to score kind of political points with young male voters. Mm. Um, they've been opposed to it ever since Pre uh, President Yoon announced it during the campaign. Right. Um, several women's groups, have, of course, have also voiced opposition to the plans, saying that scrapping the ministry would lead to further marginalization of women um, in society. So it is facing a lot of backlash, right. whether it will pass through Parliament, pretty unlikely, right. uh, but we'll have to see how it goes. Because the opposition holds majority in the National Assembly. Now, it's a sticky subject because depending on which angle you stand on, the objective could be clearly disagreeable, right? I mean, right. President Yun administration might say that the, the gender ministry that was founded years ago it needs to be retired for the next chapter. It's not necessarily to throw gender issues under the bus. However, it can be perceived that way depending on where you stand on the spectrum. Hence, mm -hmm. The sticky subject. Uh, we'll leave it there for now. We'll have more updates in the coming days. Uh, let's move on to our third keyword of the day. Inflation. So Finance Minister Chu Kyung-ho still believes Korea's rising inflation will peak this month despite risks such as oil cuts by OPEC Plus and the Russia-Ukraine war. So run us through his assessment and his reasoning. Right. Well, he told reporters that the forecast for an October peak for inflation is unchanged. He did acknowledge that the country could still be affected by unexpected or external factors, including the Russia-Ukraine war. He said, quote, some prices such as personal services also do not fall easily. Even if consumer prices reach their peak, they will remain considerably high. And even if they fall, it will be really slow. And he also noted that the country is not on the verge of a foreign reserve crisis or stagflation. Now, the remark came hours after the Bank of Korea said the country's foreign reserves shrank at the fastest pace in about 14 years last month. That came as authorities unloaded dollars to stall the local currency's excessive slide against the greenback. Uh, the country's foreign reserves also suffered its sharpest fall since October 2008. And the one has also depreciated around 16% against the dollar so far this year. But Chu noted that the foreign reserve itself has risen significantly since 2008. So basically saying that although the, the drop was quite uh, steep, the overall amount of the reserve is actually quite higher than that of 2008. Now, the minister added that the decline in the foreign reserve came as authorities took necessary measures to cope with the market's volatility. Hmm. Chu also said South Korea is not likely to st uh, face stagflation, this mix of slumping growth and high inflation. He called stagflation an excessive term mm. to describe the current situation of the Korean economy. So he doesn't believe that the 
country's economy is quite at that stage. Right. Uh, but he did say that uh, difficulties will continue through the first half of next year. And he added that consumer prices will fall compared with this moment, but they will still be higher than average mm -hmm. years and that the economy will slightly slow as well. But incredibly careful with uh, throwing around the word stagflation. Let's move on to our fourth keyword of the day. Global growth. So the International Monetary Fund, the IMF, is once again lowering its projections for global economic growth in 2023. What's the latest? Right, so we've had a look at what the finance minister projected for the local economy, and we're getting assessments for the global economy now by Kristalina Georgieva, the managing director of the IMF, who told an audience at Georgetown University that the IMF is projecting world economic growth lower by $4 trillion through the year 2026. Uh, things are more likely to get worse before it gets better, she said. Mm. And she noted that the Russian invasion of Ukraine that began in February has dramatically changed the IMF's outlook on the economy. The risks of recession are rising, she said, calling the current economic environment uh, a period of historic fragility. Mm. Uh, Georgieva said the IMF estimates that countries making up one third of the world economy will see at least two consecutive quarters of economic contraction this or next year. She added that the IMF downgraded its global growth projections three times already. It now expects 3.2% for 2022 and now 2.9% for 2023. Uh, the bleak IMF projections come as central banks around the world uh, raise interest rates in hopes of taming rising inflation. The US Fed has been the most aggressive in using interest mm. rate hikes as an inflation cooling tool. Mm. Uh, George Eva said tightening monetary policy too much and too fast and doing so in this kind of synchronized manner across countries, Korea included, mm. uh, could push many economies into prolonged recession. Um, meanwhile, the U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen focused on how the U.S. and its allies could contribute to making longer term investments to uh, the global economy, she called for ambitious policy solutions, uh, mm. but she didn't use the word recession once when giving uh, a seminar uh, on the other side of uh, the US. But despite Yellen's more measured view, she said the global economy does face significant uncertainty. All right. And on to our final keyword of the day. We end in South Korea's political arena. Injunctions rejected. The outside leader of the People Power Party has suffered a blow in his fight against the party's emergency leadership committee. Let's talk about Lee Jin-suk. A sole court has recognized the effectiveness of the committee and has rejected Lee's injunction request. So what's the latest? Right. So the Southern District Court dismissed three separate injunctions filed by E against the committee. Uh, the court ruled there is no substantial or procedural error in naming the new Emergency Leadership Committee. The mm. PPP formed this new committee after the same court actually ruled in favour of E in mm. August in an earlier injunction suit. That committee was led by Chu Ho-young. Uh, the new one is led by uh, Chang Jin-suk. Uh, separately, the PPP held an ethics committee meeting to decide on an additional penalty for E over his harsh criticism of President Yoon sung yeol uh, and the party, the party has decided to suspend his party membership for one more year. That basically means that he has no chance to seek the chairmanship again before what would have been the end of his term um, next June. Reasons cited by the party were his injunction suits and what they deem as defamations against the president and uh, the party as well. So 
The feud continues within the ruling party. It really does. And it's not just about Yi's chairmanship that came into question. He's likely to be, at least according to political pundits, to be ineligible to run in the general elections in 2024. Uh, this decision was passed in Seoul South District Court. In a unanimous vote, it turns out, like you said, the chaos within the People Power Party. We'll have to see if this tames it or is this just a beginning, another beginning of an end? <laughs> right. It certainly is a kind of a, a bit of a, a murky situation. Certainly. <laughs> Thank you very much, Adam, for a week's worth of coverage. Have yourself a, an incredible weekend. It's supposed to be really beautiful in Seoul City. It's fall. <laughs> It is. Uh, I can't get a glimpse of the autumn foliage. I hope you have a great weekend as well. See you next week. See you next week. If you're listening to our program using the podcast service, just a reminder that we do go live Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. Korea Standard Time. So tune in and help us make the show more informative by giving us your input. See you bright and early on Good Morning Seoul.